0: Ready? This is a round robin, right? Round robin, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we got three boxes, four movies. This will be pretty exciting. You guys ready? Three,
1: two,
2: one. mother.
0: Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to yippee ki mother podcast, round robin edition. I'm Ralph Quartucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. I'm John Quachussi. Well, that was a quick introduction. Wow. Holy Where is God. everybody? We are down, <laughs> down some boxes. Uh, Chris couldn't make it tonight. And we all know Drew doesn't do the Ron Robbins unless yes. we do bad nuns. He's got many uh, right. little bad nuns. He, he wants to. We do. had a, we
2: had a guest schedule, but he had, the, he couldn't do it this week because he had a coaching opportunity. Not saying who the, um, guest was, but he's been on before and he coaches football and used to brad? play football and he <laughs> used to play football wojo wojo Br- brad
0: or wojo yeah. which one
2: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all
0: right well they they'll be missed but here we are we got the whole place to ourselves this could go on and for a r- long, ralph the it? announcement came out that ralph's getting married uh oh, we can publicly exciting. say that now that my folks know about it right so we're all very happy for ralph and uh, it seems looks like it's going to be a big shindig at his house uh ralph what's the address yeah, it's a 725970 seven, Mockingbird Lane. I think we should have some of our subscribers go to it. I think, yeah, that, I would think that, fine. Would that would be fun.
2: I think the last time um, Ralph had a big shindig at his house, he ended up kicking out a key showrunner for HB. That's Park. true. Yeah. We the quit the show for a while,
0: actually. Uh, I quit the show for a yeah. while because of that. But uh, So uh, you've got just a glow about you, Ralph. I mean, yeah. you really, you just look so happy. I'm so happy for you. I'm thrilled. I couldn't be happier. So I can there tell that. That's, there you go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's do a little you round of uh, what, what? You do look happy. I feel great. Oh, that's Seriously, awesome. I am, uh, that's great. Wait a minute. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I threw up my mouth a little bit. I'm sorry. It's all good. All right, so let's do a quick round, since there's
1: only a few of us, of what you watch. Sean and Debbie, what'd you watch? We went to the movies and saw that wonderful movie with Nicolas Cage, the uh unbelievable great show. Unbelievable
0: an unbearable 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 weight of massive talent.
1: Yes, and uh, it was massive talent. Nick Cage could smooch. <laughs>
0: yeah. You
1: guys enjoyed it, huh? Oh, we loved it. And it the, we, yeah, where we were, the people behind us were laughing and then we, you know, we, we felt free to laugh. So we were laughing our. Wait,
0: I have to, I have to. Yeah, that's what I, the, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's so analyze other people that were
1: laughing. So you felt
0: free to laugh. So if they weren't laughing, you would not feel free to laugh. It really adds to it. You know what I mean? That's true. That's the shared experience of going to the movie yes, theater when it works.
1: When it doesn't work, it sucks. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, we were all just engaged in laughter, the whole theater, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes.
2: But I I had a wonderful time because we went alone. It was like it was a date. It was interesting because
1: we even said it. We usually have people go with us to the movies, and – it was best. It was like how we used to go to the movies, just the two of us. When it was just we the two of smooch, us, we didn't smooch,
2: though, did we? Just a little bit. We, uh, I,
1: think mm. a, I think we did. I think we well,
0: did. You I felt comfortable. You felt comfortable doing that in front of people. No,
1: but it was. There weren't people. They were at just, first. They were just like.
0: Can we get back to the movie, please? Yeah. Is it a good
2: date? Is it a good date movie?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. Especially yeah. if you're Nick Cage.
1: Yeah. Because then yeah. you can
2: take yourself. And I want to say one thing, you know, like, if you looked at, what was that? The, uh, paint houses, whatever that one was, De Niro Pesci, the gangster film, the Irishman, yeah. where I thought that the de-aging was horrible because, you know, De Niro suddenly looked like he's 30, but he's like walking around like he's 80. Right. Right. That's true. That's you good. know, but I thought yeah. the de-aging in this film of Nicolas Cage yeah. was really terrific. It yeah. really yeah. looked just like, um, you know, young. At, I mean,
1: wild at heart. Um, the cage. It was.
2: Yeah, he was Nicky. Nicky.
1: Nicky Coppola. And yeah. it's hard to believe that that was really him playing yeah. the role, because he would. You know, um, Betty Davis was on an interview with Johnny Carson once, and if you you go back and see that interview, where she's uh, she talks uh, to Johnny about acting very young, and she was probably sixty or seventy at this interview. But the way she moved, you know, just like so young and youthful and excited and vibrant, you know, she just put and she had a hat that she had on. So you can act young. You know what I'm saying? You could really you could be in your life feeling old. But if you act young and alert and, you know, you could you can fool somebody. Well, that well, was his face, had a but not
0: his body. Yeah, De that De was not his body. But didn't De Niro yeah. have to run in The Irishman? Like, he had to run. and Yeah, like at that point, he's like kicking somebody in the
2: head. Yeah. <laughs> it looked
0: like. Well, Nick Cage can run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the. Stunt double. Stunt double. Yeah. No, good film. So, you guys, yeah, check out Cue uh, It Up uh, with the Q Brothers. We did a little review. Yeah, we on loved it. it. So. We both loved What's it. That I name mean, that podcast again. Cue uh, It Up with Q the Q it up Brothers. With the Q Brothers. There's a lot with of a great, Q It Up podcasts, it turns out. A lot of Q It Ups on pool. Shooting yeah. pool. Yeah. <laughs> this is and not. And we don't do any of that. We don't do any of that on our show. No, no shooting pool. Uh, John, what do you watch? Well, first of all, let me just say how excited I am today about uh, new Tom Brady news. Uh, he just signed a contract with Fox Sports. He's going to be the lead football uh, uh, analyst once once he retires. For real ten years, three hundred seventy five million dollars wow. is his contract. So we're going to have a lot more Tom Brady in the future. And I think that makes us all just better people. I know that. So so. I'm
2: yeah.
0: dizzy. Crazy, right? Now, the other thing I watched based on Sean's recommendation, I watched Runaway Train last night. Mm. And I had not seen that in a long time because I remembered nothing about, I remembered like two things from the movie. And I really, really liked the movie. Uh oh, great. It, was, it was tense the whole time. Uh, the only thing I will, I have to say, I thought it was utterly ridiculous that the warden landed on the train to confront them at the end. I thought that was so ridiculous other than he got his revenge on the guy that I did like, but him hanging by the ladder on the helicopter was so silly. It was kind of stupid, <clears throat> but John Voight I thought was really good in this. I mean, and I read stuff that he didn't want to do the movie because it was, he didn't like the character and the director talked him into it uh, saying it's such against type. You would like it, and he really embraced it. And uh, if I read, it didn't occur. Who who wrote this? Was it Akira Kurosawa? It was. It was okay. He wanted to film it originally, right? Yeah, that's what I read. So I, I was surprised by that too. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I thought Rebecca De Mornay was good too. And you know what? Even though she was all dirtied up, she's still beautiful. Those bright blue eyes shining. No through. Debbie, but close. She's no Debbie. But I
2: really did enjoy the movie, so thanks for the recommendation. Uh, here's one thing about the John Voight that I didn't realize till Debbie and I watched it with um, the Eric Roberts uh, commentary: is that John Voight is, was not that muscular. He right. was like a thin little guy. He wore a bodysuit. You know, no, like- I didn't know. I didn't hear. That. I didn't know that. Yeah, he wore a really body yeah with muscles and everything.
0: You know, he, was this the beginning of his overacting stuff
2: like this? Did hey, this want, one start he, his? I
0: mean, come on. He was nominated for an Oscar for this I'm not. Role. I'm just saying. Wasn't he in The yeah. Champ? Wasn't that him in The yeah, Champ? Champ. John he was Boyd, great in The Champ. Rick Schroeder. With Ricky Schroeder. Yeah. Rick Schroeder, Schroeder. Yeah. Rick Schroeder, right. Yeah. Um He's a good actor. I mean, I, no, no, know, no, he's I a listen. good actor. You think po- Politics aside that's with him because he's- What was that? Uh, politics was that, aside. Oh,
2: Well, God that's John. half
0: a Hollywood Ralph. Well, what's that-
2: What's that series for Showtime where he played the main characters? Oh, yeah, uh, with uh, Lee Schreiber. Ray
0: Donovan. Ray Donovan. Yeah. He was really
2: good in that. Yeah. 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 No, listen, I like him. He's. But it's like Al Pacino now. Yeah, exactly. De Niro, too. De Niro does it, too. Yeah.
0: Now. Yeah. Well, he was also, Voight was great in Heat playing that mumbling uh, guy, gets the plans and all that. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, he's good actor. Love the guy, actually. Um. All right. I've been watching it's three shows in now on a series on Hulu called Under the Banner of Heaven. Oh yeah, with uh, Andrew Garfield starring Andrew Garfield. How and is it's it? About, it's good. He plays a Mormon police officer who's um investigating a, a murder. This is a true story. Investigate a murder that happens in Utah with the Mormons. Um, and and I didn't realize the the the, the history that they go through in this stuff. How the Mormons were created. The, the how Mormons were. Just uh, flat out assassinated in the 1800s. Um, um, and how they developed their anti-government kind of stance and, and all the stuff based on their faith. It's just a fascinating film about, um, like the Kennedys of the Mormons. Like, I think they're called the Lafayettes or something. I forget their actual name. Uh, I think the book was written by John Krakauer. It's based on his book. Is it about uh, the bombings? No, no, it's about no, a murder. A, that right, did, uh, yeah, murder. A murder that takes place. A woman and her daughter in the eighties, get- Ralph. I may maybe. Yeah. Again, I'm kind of. How's Garfield in it? He's fantastic. There's a scene. I really, scene- lo- I-, I love him as an actor. There's a scene that he does, um, uh, run- get- going in the woods, confronting an issue that's happening at a house. God. And you've seen this scene a million times with cops who run in the woods with the guns out and all that. This is the first time I've actually seen somebody. Who I think would react the way I would react if that was going on. Nervous, shaky, head bobbing, doesn't want to stick his head out too much. Is another a friend of his maybe in trouble or not in trouble, so he's trying to sort that out. I think he's doing a great job. And by the way, I watched um The Spider Man, No Way Home last night. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Honestly. He was great, wasn't he? He was was great. great. I did like the the play between the three of them. Yeah. But the And Tom Holland was really good. Yeah, the whole Doctor Strange kind of being a like a dummy with the thing. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Anyway, didn't love it. Love this I, under I the banner of heaven. You, Ralph, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I know you're not
2: a superhero god movie. Not, He's not. Not mostly, no. He's not. So what in the last ten years? I don't want to go back to Superman. What in the last ten years do you think was your favorite superhero movie? Uh the series called Boys on Amazon.
0: That's it. I mean, I think That's I like it.
2: No, well, you like, you
0: don't like Iron Man. Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. I did. I did. But again, I, I for me, I, I, I can't suspend enough death, especially in this one with all the bombings going on and everything going on. It was, it was chaotic as hell. Wow. Um, You know, I don't know. I, I, I think probably the, the suicide, the first suicide squad I actually enjoyed because it was sort of off really? filter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's again, just not your, again, it's not your cup of tea. That's all right.
1: Yeah, again, you know, I
0: compare it to Superman that I saw in '78. <laughs> I think, and it's kind of hard to to come off that one. It's just it's just too much. It's too much. There's too much stuff going on. Superman
2: is still my favorite. He's and not, you still have was, to know, you know a lot. Funny, I
0: was asked that question on Mother's Day. <clears throat> my favorite superhero movie, <clears throat> and I said that, and they were really shocked by it. And I said, look, you got to understand something. If not for that movie, none of these other movies would exist because they proved they could make a serious superhero movie and spend some money and get some great acting in it. So it, it's all that generation. That did get two. it going. But I, I think it yeah. was Tim Burton's Batman that really just made people go, oh, wait. Batman we wouldn't actually... happen without Superman. Well, I understand that. But that's, it took a so long time between Superman. I don't disagree Superman, with you. Superman and Batman took what? Batman was 89. Superman was right, 78, so 77, 78. 77. 78. Yeah. Um, well, that, that was a long time. But you know what's them. funny? If you watch both movies, Superman holds up better than Batman does today yeah well Superman, superman's kind of in a it's 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 up here it's in a place by itself actually i agree with that um all right anyway. so well have you my, watched the show called the offer about uh the making of the godfather i have not it's on paramount so i have to subscribe yeah, to that i want to i want to i want to start it's not getting great reviews no, no. Um uh, I just think the order. acting's probably over top, over the top. But I do want to see it because I'm so fascinated by The Godfather. It's yeah, that's like, why I, I mean, figured you would have watched and it. And the guy doing Robert Evans looks like he's doing a good job. When I I watch is the that, trailer for uh, it. is that Miles there? The, no, the guy Miles from- is playing Ruddy. Miles is playing the producer Ruddy, who I oh okay, I, I don't know too much about. So it'll be a good. I think it'll be a good watch. But I haven't got to that yet. I got to subscribe for a month and then get off. I guess. I got to let them all drop and then I can subscribe and then
2: yeah watch uh, them all in
0: a couple of days that's a way exactly. to watch them yeah i did that with moon Knight. yeah so under the banner of heaven i'm on the third one i'm interested enough to want to watch them so um yeah i uh, want to watch that getting great reviews it's really good it's really good he does a great job i actually. watch stuff based on reviews but right all right so let's do this round robin with the three boxes we're doing tr- uh true life movies or movies based, based on, on, on true life. based on true stories true stories uh so let's start with john what the heck Well, I struggled with this because my my knee jerk is to do uh, one like uh, Sergeant York or uh, To Hell and Back, the Audie Murphy story, because, you know, these are ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that always fascinates me. Uh, I I went completely different. Uh, That's why I'm wearing the cap. Everyone knows I'm a huge baseball fan. And one of my favorite baseball movies is A League of Their Own. Um, in 1992, directed by Penny Marshall, starring Tom Hanks, Madonna, Gina Davis, Laurie Petty, John Lovitz. Great movie, funny movie. I'm a big baseball guy, the history of baseball. I knew about the All-American uh, Women's League or Girls League, but I didn't know much about it. And that movie really opened the door for me uh, about that league and how successful it really was. And I just loved the movie because, one, all the women could play. I mean these women could play baseball and that was a prerequisite of being in the film. She turned down a lot of actresses because they just didn't look good playing baseball. Um and I was impressed by that. And, and Tom Hanks, what little screen time he had was hilarious and his character Jimmy Dugan was based on ex-Red Sox slugger Jimmy Fox, who also coached in the women's league. But he was great that, and that uh, what w- that line there's no crying in baseball is top 100 lines in film history. Um, it's funny. It's it's uh, got some heart to it. Towards the end of the movie, uh, Gina Davis was brought in at the last minute because Deborah Winger was originally her role and quit because once they hired Madonna, she thought it was going to be a Madonna thing and she wasn't interested in that. She was interested in a real story about the league. And Gina Davis, with very little time, ended up being the best baseball player out of all the women. In fact, that one catch she does behind her back, she actually did. She caught that ball. The split was done by a stunt woman. She could do the split, but she couldn't go down in the split. Uh, I just love it. And John Lovitz, what few scenes he has are hilarious. It's a, just a funny movie, a lot of heart, uh, and it makes you really appreciate uh, the women who played baseball and baseball. If you have a love of baseball, you have to love this movie. So that was my pick
2: for this. So basically because the guy was a Red Sox. Yeah, well no, that's not why I love the movie. I,
1: I'll tell you why I love this movie so much. It was well it was well done, you know, the structure of it. And I love the ending, how they brought the original players oh, yeah. up again. Yeah. Players
0: from the actual league. You
1: know, and they yeah. showed the actress uh playing and then the real woman in the you know her. Time.
0: Yeah, and they actually had some lines. Some of the women from the yeah. uh, real league had lines the in the one movie. one who
1: married the plastic surgeon. <laughs> yeah, so funny. You know, here she looks like she's like.
0: Well, and the woman I who love played love Gina Davis's star. older version looked like Gina Davis a little bit. Yeah, and they dubbed Gina Davis's voice, obviously. So that that was excuse me, that was Gina Davis's voice. Uh, but that was that was a beautiful scene at the end when they all go in, and then they look on the wall, and there's Jimmy Jimmy Dugan's plaque. Um, it was just it's just a movie that had a lot of heart and and like we talked about last week it's all about relationships obviously it was about the relationship between the sisters I mean that's what the movie was yeah, really about yeah the movie is it's the the central thing is the two sisters the competition yeah. between those two and, and Laurie Petty her character Kit I think is her name yeah Kit yep always trying to live up to the sister and then the ending happens the way the ending happens it's also a story about men going to war and their wives being left back here and those scenes where telegrams would come in right and you know Jimmy Dugan's relationship with with uh, Gina Davis's character um there, there there's some left off scenes where they actually have a kiss and try to they 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 may have had a relationship that shouldn't have right. happened but her character according to Gina Davis is no way that woman ever would have cheated right. on her husband who was over having, you know, at war and everything and that scene where that telegram comes in at the end and nobody knows who's it's going to be that's a pretty uh a serious scene yeah. and played very well and I heard that Rosie O'Donnell was actually the best ball player. Uh, really, she was till Gina Davis showed up. Yeah, that, like that she Rosie, could really throw. Rosie was throw, great. She, she could throw the three baseballs like she did. Yeah, she could actually do that. Yeah, and they, they padded her apart too. It wasn't supposed to be that big a part. Yeah, but uh, she and Madonna, the way they played off each other, was great. Now Madonna, they faked they they stuck around center field because she was supposed to be a shortstop, couldn't catch. baseball. Third Didn't baseman, get, right? She, she couldn't catch the ground. Couldn't catch a ground ball, and they said all the injuries, like that one girl that had the big raspberry. That I was all like, legit. That was yeah. real, and yeah. she said that was there for a year. Yeah, that big, huge. Those things take yeah. those take forever to go away. I don't know if you ever had one of those, but they take. I forever. have. Yeah, um, and Tom Hanks when he talks about his films, I saw something where he talks about his films, and and he always relates it to. He always brings his family to all these films. And when he was doing um, uh, the the movie, when he's on the island. Um, the Castaway. The Castaway. How they all stayed on the beach, and he would take a boat. And he specifically called out uh, a league of their own because they played baseball for three months. You know, all of them, and how much fun they all had. He said, the "This baseball, is his favorite." He said, yeah. "This is his favorite film that he's made." Yeah, this movie. Really? This also yeah. was sort of the start of his his renaissance.
2: I mean, his his career kind of took the. You know, I think he did big uh, in the, the same thing, year. Big. Well, the thing is, one thing I was listening to a podcast. And apparently, Penny Marshall, when he, they did Big, did Big come first or second? I
0: think Big, big came was
2: before, before this. this. Yeah, yeah. Penny Marshall just felt that Tom Hanks couldn't act, and that he was only good in Big because she surrounded him with good actors. Really? Yeah. And apparently, he used to joke about it. You know, because then he got like announced for another film and he's like, uh oh, they better get some good actors for
1: that one. (laughs) Well, that makes you love him more, you know, the humility that he has. I love him as an actor. I think he's super fine and he's great.
2: Oh, you know, who told that story was Barry Sonnenfeld, who shot big. And she didn't. Oh, really? I didn't know that he shot big. Yeah, she didn't like him either. She thought he did a horrible job. But she said she liked that he picked some good film stocks. She sounds like a pain in the ass if that's real well
0: right. the the all, the all the cast talks about her, they absolutely love her they love there's somebody her. though that sued her she stole supposedly stole that script what for there's big? The, no 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 for a league, for a league of, their of their own, own? yeah there's Really? A, there's a woman out there who's definitely pissed off at Penny Marshall for taking that film um so well, I, I, like the, I like the fact that it brought up something that most people just were not even aware of, yeah, most yeah. people didn't know there was a woman's league, you know no, and so everybody was a league every- of their own. You mentioned John Lovitz; he was fantastic in his scenes.
1: I was on a I was on a uh, soccer women's soccer team, and our coaches they were all men, and they were so wonderful. There's something about uh, a team of women who who have coaches that it's it's magic. Everybody falls in love with the coach. Mm -hmm. They do. It's just. So sweet because they're teaching you how to, you know, play this game. And uh, would they
0: be grooming you for the game? Grooming?
1: Yeah, they would. It would be like, you know, we would we would
0: oh, like schools.
1: It like would schools. Be like so much fun. I remember they would you dribble the ball with your feet and they would come at you to try and take the ball. So you know how to defend your possession of the ball. So it was just very fun. I mean, just you don't usually.
0: Sean, Sean, I uh, I kind of feel a script rumbling around in my head about the women's soccer league coached by a guy. Yeah, yeah. it should. Coached by Pele, Pele. <laughs> Is,
2: <laughs> Is he a has been R- actor? Ronaldo.
0: Don't you have a? Don't they all have to be has been actors that work with you or not?
2: Uh, I would, yeah, most of them would fall over if they were. Pele was in one film. He was in Victory, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: he was very good. He did the back, uh, the windmill kick. He yeah. was great. Hey, right, so Could so, so, you hit the ball?
2: Could you hit the ball, Poolee? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I no, wonder I mean, if they had an advisor to instruct him in those things. Yeah, exactly.
0: But what I was going to say was, uh, you mentioned John Lovitz as a big character. Also, David Strath Strath Strathen. I don't know. How- yeah, Strathen. He That's was the- great as the. Yeah. I guess the guy who was running the league. Yeah. I think Marshall. Her her brother. Yeah, played he played. He played the uh, chocolate fact. Yeah, he, he played. played Wrigley. That's who yeah. started the real league. Was Wrigley. Yeah, um, he played a rip off of that. And then but Tom Hanks's classic fifty three minute pee. I mean, that's going. on No, my in favorite scene is. Yeah you're missing the cutoff. <laughs> we got to work on that scene. Is so next year we'll work he on, on, we'll it, work on it for next year. Cause he doesn't want her to cry. And then yeah. she smiles. Okay. Yeah. No, I my Well, I like when he does it the first time and the, the ump comes over and says, you know, maybe you need to be a little more, <laughs> yeah. you know, something. He goes, you yeah. like yes, sir. yes, sir. You look like you got a penis. I forget what he said. Your head looks like a penis or something. Look like a little penis with that hat.
2: <laughs> what? Well, I didn't say anything. So yeah, I
0: have a, uh, a video that i made a long time ago uh called put me in coach it's a it's all my favorite films it's a montage of my favorite baseball films uh, done to center field and a couple other songs and uh, league of their own is all over that one i just thought it was i mean gina davis who's an athlete you know she's a yeah. he's a world-class uh archery uh person and she was just just perfect for that film she was so good and Lori Petty, she had, too. Lori Petty she was- had a great swing. Everywhere great everywhere swing. Lori Petty go now, they all they all call her Kit. That's the only yeah. movie that anybody- Tank Girl doesn't matter. It's she's Kit. a strange bird. Lori Petty's a little bit odd. I just yeah. watched an interview with all the ladies from the movie, and she was like out there, man. What she was she was, saying, uh, John? She's just- When she talks, she's just weird. I, I can't even describe it to you. I'll, I'll have to send you what I just watched. They had a little reunion. Of course, Hanks wasn't there, uh, but Lovitz was there, and a bunch of women from the team, including her- And she was just, she's just a little odd. It was funny, but, you know, she kept interrupting everyone else who was talking, you know, it was just kind of weird. But she was perfect. I mean, they were perfect together. You you got that definitely sister vibe from them. So, yeah, I just love the movie. And it's one of these, like I always say, if it comes on, especially certain scenes, I I will just sit there and watch the rest of the movie if I catch well, up to it at a certain point. Well, the musical montages are just classic. Yeah. I mean, she did. With, and, and, uh, with and, and, uh, and... Eddie Mecca, uh, the big ragu and the dance number. Right, right. Dancing with Madonna from Laverne and Shirley. And David Landers was uh, the baseball announcer. Uh, right. Squiggy, Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. He was yeah. one of the baseball announcers. A lot of fun.
1: Good film. Yeah. Talk about the, the sister relationship. They That that really nailed it. The, young, the younger sister. I mean, I know that you two guys have that thing going on. Well, like, well
0: yeah, but I'm the Gina Davis character, Ralph's kit. I mean, <sighs> it's, it's reversed, but it's the same thing, you know, but wait, a minute, always, wait a minute. Wait a minute. trying to always over Rip what he he's, out? you know what? Ask him about the MVP at the baseball camp <laughs> and, and see how he reacts. Gina Davis. Okay, Gina. Okay. <laughs> We're so gonna that's call it. Him. No. Okay. Right. Kid, Kit, just relax. All right. Yeah, kit, okay. just relax. <laughs> All right, uh, Sean and Debbie, what do you guys, who, who wants to go
1: first? Go first, Debbie. Well, I watched, uh, I I picked uh, Hidden Figures. I love that film. Well, wait a minute. First, you mm-hmm. had another
0: choice. I it? had
1: another uh, film. It was going to be Apollo, um, Apollo 13. 13.
0: Great. That's a great that's, pick. That's a tearjerker. I, but
1: I thought, yeah, I'm going to go with Hidden Figures because that was very, you know, the drama of somebody in space. You know, you're so far away. And this This stuff is heady because you have to, you know, these women had to mathematically get this formula down, and it it was unprecedented. Yeah, just give us a little, a little synopsis of what. Okay, so uh, these um, uh, mathematicians—they're all uh, African American um, women—in 1960 for. um, I'm making that up. I don't know exactly, but they worked at NASA and they needed to um, get the a, approximate coordinates for when the spaceship was going to um, plummet to Earth. So they mathematically figured this out, The you know, the vectors. You, you need a lot of science, a lot of math, a lot of um you know uh, understanding to get those coordinates in to be exact because here they are coming gonna they need to be rescued when they land in the water so uh, all that going on in the height of the civil uh, you know civil unrest in our country historically and it was just beautiful you see how you know these people that were you know discouraged in every every aspect of life just really shine like beautifully done you know their personalities just you know they knew where they they knew their place you know what i mean they knew their place they were realist uh, these women knew number one they were women number two they were um, african-american and they were very disadvantaged they had a fight for everything when she went into the judge to explain, she used a corner of his uh, saying that he, about being first, you know, and she, she was like that. She wanted to be first in the movie um, uh, to get into this school, which was predominantly white. White only. Yeah. Nobody got no black person got into that school, but the beautiful um, thing that she said, the speech, Now I don't know. If that really was true, if it was uh, just conjecture. But she had, it was so interesting how she talked to the, to the judge and explained her case, how she wanted to be first, the first black woman to make it in a white school to get an engineering degree. And um, that was quite a thing. And also, forget, she why was
2: she explained to the judge that? You'll be famous for doing this too. she yes. You'll be the first guy. Why exactly. was she? I forget. I forget.
0: What's the reason she's in court for that? Was she trying to sue well, she she Couldn't go to the white school. She wanted to be in yeah, the school. Wouldn't let her in. Okay.
1: And this is something that was her. You know, she she was called to do this. She was very highly intelligent. You know, more so than I could even. I mean, I understand a little bit about. You know what they needed. What facilities you have to have. I mean what. Mathematical stuff you have to do. Believe me, it's complicated. You know, it is very complicated, mm-hmm. and you could take years. And you say, "Oh, math. Well, what's math? Two times five is ten. No, it's like it's like a whole world of knowledge that no. We- it's genius level math she was doing, right? right. Oh yeah. yeah, and math. something
0: happened on the ship. It wasn't just they needed to land. There was something that happened. That they had to recalculate and the engineers couldn't come up with well, the, the solutions. Ideas, the it pa- took math. The
2: Wasn't there a scene in the was film was up. a heat shield problem?
0: Well, John Glenn wouldn't take off until she ratified right. the numbers. Right. And that's that's based on a true, that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's a story of women, African-American women who are, are being looked at as not, shouldn't be there. Somebody's fighting. Of course, it's the old trope of the, Kevin Costner played the white guy who, basically got him somehow i remember he put up a sign or something i forget no what. he knocked down, right, bathroom bathroom colored- knocked down the bathroom knocked down the sign yeah. okay right. so so because she had to go to a different That's building to go to the right. bathroom right. right yeah that was so, like i mean the trope of the white guy going in and saving these ladies i mean I, whether it happened or not it was it's good stuff because costner played it well and you know it was a film about people who are not recognized for not equal both as women and as african-american women and uh, I, the scene where John Glenn says, I'm, it seems like it's a, like they pulled it out of their, their ass to make that scene, like a dramatic license, but it's actually happened. John Glenn said, I'm not leaving until she tells me it's okay to go. Yeah. And that's pretty powerful.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I tell you what. I, I did want to watch Apollo 13 again. So I no, did too. That's, that's, that movie what? still
0: gets me, even though you, you know what's happening every you time. You know
2: exactly what's going to happen. You know they lived. But yeah. it, it's just an amazing picture. But you know, I was kind of—I really liked this film when we first saw it. Um, you know, Hidden Figures. But I was afraid. You know, I thought it was going to have the um, the Disney effect because it's a Disney picture. <laughs> that you know, and a lot of those Disney pictures, <clears throat> particularly the up—you uh, know—the inspiring ones are sort of like to me like what was that movie we watched about uh, Jamaica? Cool Bull Bot- Runnings. Cool Cool Runnings, it's sort of like, yeah, it's inspiring, but it's like cheap inspiring, you know. And a lot of those Disney feature features don't always hold up to second viewings. You you know, it was sort of like with Cool Runnings, we said, yes, it's a good movie. Yes, we enjoyed it, but it's not a great film. But this one, I still think watching it the second time, you know, very good performances, very good script, look great. You know, you know, this one held up as a film. So I was glad she picked it because it's something I would probably would have never watched again. And and frankly, it's like when I saw E.T., that was like a magical moment. But when I saw that film, I knew one thing. I would never feel the same way about it again. So literally, I have never seen E.T. again. Wow. You know, so I felt I wouldn't like this film if I saw it again, but I did like it which makes me think that maybe I can watch E.T.
0: Well, the Apollo 13 is a perfect example of a film that you'd never expect to get the same feelings you get watching that. And every yeah. time I see it, I get this, I get choked up the same time. I'm waiting for the ship to come through the clouds. Yeah. Um, so that holds up every single time for me. I don't yeah. know. If, I've seen hidden figures. I don't think I'd, it's not one of those ones I'd rewatch over and over. Um, the story, the story is interesting and, and you know, it, it's, I forget the actress who plays the the lead. Um, She does a great job. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so. And And I liked it. I liked it because one, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I, I never heard of this before till this movie. I also think they handled the, they weren't preachy about the race. They, at that time it was accepted. So the women, it's not that they, it's not that they weren't fighting for it. They were, but they didn't hit you over the head with it. And also, even with all the the challenges that they faced, they were single of purpose of why they were there. Yeah. Everything was about solving the problem. Right. Even with all that crap going on and they never lost sight of that. And I really like that about this movie. And and frankly, then, then you hear what happened to them after this and they were all so super successful yeah. In, yeah, their, it, in their in their careers. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. And Kevin Costner was really good in this movie too. And he wasn't perfect. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he wasn't then because he was oblivious to what was going on. That alone yeah. was a fault of his. And then once he realized that, yeah, she had to go to three buildings to go to the bathroom. It was taking a half an hour to go. He was like, what are we doing here? We're here to solve a problem. I really like that about this movie. So, uh, I hope that a, that was actually true. That's all I'm saying. I hope well, that I can't. Wasn't, well, listen, there's always dramatic license, yeah. but that. It, I mean, it seems to make sense that well, yes, if you, they you were really having to do that,
2: right. you, you know, wouldn't, logically wouldn't. It, lie it seems like
0: one of those things like they would write today. right? But it seems you like one of those things that would be a savior today if it wasn't true. Right. For, right. right. Yeah. That's what, what I'm saying. Well, but but I mean, you know, uh, he, he the, the real person, you know, put his reputation on the line with these women.
2: He wasn't a white savior. He just happened to be yeah. the guy that was in charge He happened to be white. He is not, because the women... The women did it themselves. Right. But right. they were smart, and they s- stayed focused on the problem. That's right. And they had talent that the people needed. Right. And that was the most important thing. It, yeah. You know, it's funny because that guy who's always a good guy, the guy from um, Young Sheldon. what's his Parsons. Name? Parsons, yeah, gets to be kind of a dick. Oh, yeah. he's Yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't want him there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because he's like the nice guy on the – um the hero on a TV sitcom and he goes and peers in this movie and he's like the jerk. You know? He's like,
1: he's like Prissy.
2: Yeah. He's yeah. like a Prissy kind of. Well, well they were cutting in on his turf.
1: Yeah. I mean, but they were I, right. And he was wrong. I mean, well, I like the part where they redacted the, um, the information and she held it up to the light. And then he said, well, you got to fix this you know, Parsons or whatever his name. What was his name? The character. I forgot
2: the character. Uh, Pete. Pete.
1: Pete. I
0: don't know. I just made that you up. You made that
1: up. <laughs> you know, which was, a, was an itch, issue in itself. I mean, she not only solved the problem, but she shined a light on the situation. You can't have that. That's spy stuff. You know, right. they, 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 if there's a problem like that, you know, that's systematic. you got to look into that because you don't want the... China Chinese people or the Russians finding Yeah, this get darker
0: dark. Henson is yeah, the, and, and Octavia Spencer with yeah. the leads in that. I would give props out there. I think him. there were some Oscar nominations in this one. Yeah. Yeah. But good flick, good flick. I enjoyed this. Good call, Deb. All right. All right. Hidden hidden figures. Either one would have been good. Hidden numbers. Hidden figures. Hidden figures. <laughs> hidden numbers.
2: All right, Sean, what'd you pick? Well, I resisted the urge to go with The Exorcist. You know, oh, they, uh, That
0: is based on a true story. Yeah, it is. Right here in Southern California. I decided to go
2: with, you know, when we do the round robins, it's sort of like, well, what's your favorite one? First thing I do is I go in and walk over to my Blu-ray collection because those are the films, you know, I love, you know. so well, I,
0: The other thing about this particular subject is really every movie is based on some sort of true story. There's, a, yeah, there's a kernel of truth in every like Jeremiah Johnson. That's true. That's yeah. based on a true story. Uh The Revenant, that's based on a like Airplane? all these movies. Airplane is based on a well, no. Okay, so there's one. So okay. and Batman? Right. You're right. I'm wrong. Okay. So I think you just I think I just proved
2: your point. So well. Sean,
0: you look at your Blu-ray correct collection and you've you got <laughs> all these great true stories.
2: What did I, I saw, saw a certain certain Martin Scorsese film called Goodfellas which, of course, I saw in the theaters when it was released a number of times. No surprise. And it won. Um, well, it's a true story. It's a story of Henry Hill, half Italian, half Irish, who gets involved with the mafia.
1: You know, that combination is lethal, yeah, Irish and Italian. That's right. Well,
0: and you can't be made man. Uh, there's that. All, right. Murphy,
2: Sean Paul. All my
0: life, I just wanted to be a gangster.
2: So it's his story about from when he's a boy. And he sees the gangsters across the street at like the cab stand, and wants to be one of them. He meets the gangsters. He starts working for them, and eventually the life becomes too much for him. He becomes a drug dealer, and eventually he gets arrested. And because he wasn't allowed to deal drugs, he's going to be murdered by his his friends. So he becomes a um, becomes a rat in the end. Has to live a middle class life, and it's a, it's an he's amazing. A
0: yeah, I'm a schmuck.
2: Yeah, it's a um, it's an amazing piece of filmmaking, and it's a script that breaks like all the rules. You know, I'm not a no voiceover Nazi. So I'll tell you when I taught at Towson, a lot of the p- teachers there, you know, would not told the ch- kids they couldn't use voiceover. I mean, the film is all voiceover, and um, so was Casino that followed, and um, and you know, the funny thing is, I would. And when I taught, I would do the oscar win nominated scripts. I'd spend a day and go through them. Practically all of them broke all the rules we taught. You know, so it's like there are no well, and rules. the
0: way he used, the way, I mean, it starts with Henry Hill, but then Lorraine Bracco ends up. Now, that is the real somewhere. radical
2: break because yeah. it changes the point of view of the film. Right. Because the film is Henry Hill's story. He's yeah. telling us the story. And then suddenly it becomes the wife's story. Yeah. And then They're when very they powerful. Scorsese's next film that he went to the gangster may is um casino, which is nowhere near as good. Though I put the first act of casino against anybody. Like how they explain how casinos work, how they steal and how they how they got financed. That's all great. But in that one, you know, once again it's De Niro it's De Niro's story. And then they it's the wife's story. They she's giving voiceover, and Joe Pesci's giving voiceover. You know, so it's it's kind of it's kind of a um, it's it's a great film. It's a great character study. You really can't say that Henry Hill reforms because essentially he got caught. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: also the portrayal of Henry Hill having Ray Liotta play Henry Hill glamorizes what Henry because if you really look at Henry Hill and listen to him, he is a Weasley little bastard. Yeah. I mean, he is. I mean, it, it, just listening to him. It was on Howard around. Stern all the time. Yeah, all the time. And Leota just crushed it. Yeah. His portrayal of Henry Hill in this one. And I think this was one of his. I don't know if Something Wild was before this one. But it, was, it was, he got this off
2: of Something Wild. Something Wild, yeah, yeah because yeah. the way he He's played right Something that, Wild. Yeah. Um,
0: and, you know, it's Scorsese
2: crushing it, too. I mean, this is like Scorsese it. at his best. Oh, my because God. Because not only is it dark, that doesn't, it deals with as many themes. But it's also, an, you know, despite some scenes of serious violence, it's also very enjoyable. It's, very, yeah. it's a very engaging film. Even if you're not like a, even if you're not just like a huge fan of crime or mafia movies, it's an interesting story. It's about a guy. Now, one thing Henry Hill always says, and I somehow, I don't believe it's true, is that he never killed anybody. Yeah. But technically yeah. speaking, like when they killed a guy, Bats, the made man, the fact that he was there and closed the door, he's an accomplice to murder. Right. Well, you know, a couple, you know, he is essentially would be, could have been prosecuted for murder, but he says he never killed anybody, you know? So, um, which is like, I guess the line he wasn't going to cross, but you watch him crossing all sorts of lines in this film, you know, and talk about the real people. I remember reading the year it came out. They did a big interview with, um, with Henry Hill in Premiere Magazine. And they said, what's the biggest mistake? What's the, what's the thing that the film makes that's, a bit, that's not the least accurate? And he goes, oh, that's easy. He goes, they made Nicky way too nice. Now in this film, he's not oh, nice. God. So that should tell you what kind of guy he really was. <laughs> but he's like, he goes, the real Nicky, he goes, you know, he would have killed me at the drop of a hat and would drop the hat himself. You know, and he's like, that guy was like a cold sociopathic killer, mm. you know, and this, well, is and I the-
0: don't think, I don't think Scorsese, I think I've heard a red where he's mentioned that I don't think he went out to glamorize these guys. Like he, he was trying to show them in there, like how crass they are and that, that whole stuff about, you know, uh, when they do the heist and everybody's coming in with their pink Cadillacs and their, you know, fur coats for their wives, how just dumb these guys are.
2: And the wife points it out in the scene where she goes to like, the makeup party or whatever about how, you know, the women all look old and beaten up and they all yeah. have like tacky clothes that are just thrown together. But, you know, what's really appealing is like in the beginning, when you're looking at through Henry's Hills boyish eyes and they're at the um, cab stand and the big Cadillac pulls up, the guy steps out, the Cadillac lifts back up. You see the shoes, you see the suits and everything. So I think he begin. I think he does an accurate job of showing, why he would think being a gangster is glamorous you For know a kid a kid he's yeah. looking through the kid's eyes and you know but, and the reality is because i i've read about this a lot is that usually you get i think henry hill even said this you get 10 years when you're a career criminal like that and you're an organized crime if you get about 10 years where you're probably not going to go to jail unless you make a mistake but after about 10 years the people in law enforcement know you enough that they're eventually going to get you, you know, that, you know, said sometime or another. And you know what is another scene that always gets a lot of oohs and ahs when he goes to jail and they're preparing that meal in jail and that guy is cutting that garlic with the razor blade. And have you ever seen it in theaters? Like, ah, oh, you know, there's, it's a great moment when you see the garlic um like melt, you know, so it, you know, and that's the kind of detail the Godfather had, you know, it was like Robert Evans told Coppola, he wants to, uh, smell the spaghetti. Yeah.
0: You know? And
2: I think you, you smell the Leave spaghetti. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think but, this- I mean,
0: again, back to, I just think that, um, I don't know. I mean, he, those guys did some, I mean, the movie starts with them stabbing the guy in the back of the trunk. It that's starts how movie with a starts. Really ugly,
2: brutal crime. Right.
0: And so then that scene where they go with
2: them too much.
0: Yeah, well, I, and, and I don't know. I just don't know if he meant to glam because people walked away he wasn't like glamorizing. He was showing working class gangsters. That's what he well, yeah, but sure he what I'm saying, saying is, when people saw Wall
2: Street,
0: when people saw Wall Street, the reaction was, "I want to be like Gecko," right? So yeah. they see this film and they're like, "I think I want to be a gangster." So it kind of glamorizes the life, which I don't think he was really trying to do. Like you're saying, he's well, trying I to show think these it guys, starts off that way, but then in the end. Well, the drugs changed everything. The the drugs is everybody. I like this movie because, frankly, everybody in it is perfect. The cast—it's like The Godfather. Every character in this movie is perfectly cast, and they're all at the top of their game. And that scene at the end where he's uh, paranoid and he's the helicopter—that whole scene with you can't hear that song without thinking about this movie. Anytime it comes on, and hit the way he played it with the voiceover, which is just getting more manic. More manic as it goes on. It's just a great scene. No, they it's a captured. Great movie. They captured that. He captured that. Yeah, that paranoia. It's just that drug good, paranoia.
2: It's hard. And, and, what was that? It's hard not to glamorize it if you're you find the lifestyle appealing. That's like you know the mob was opposed to the Godfather, but in a sense, once the movie came out, it was a great advertisement for it. the mob. But the Godfather was about family. Yeah, the Godfather was about family. This yeah. was about this was about what
0: happens to you in this life. And if you look what happens to almost all of them, it was all bad.
2: Yeah. yeah. But well, that's right. why I don't think it's glamorizing. no, no, like no I, yeah. the end, By the end, practically kills everyone in his family. Right. That There's, scene with the heroes In the motto, uh, yeah. like certain things that they had stopped doing decades earlier, like kissing people's rings and things like that. Yeah. After the godfather came out, the people started doing those same traditions again. You know, inside the mob, so it's sort of like the movie's inspired by the mob, but it inspired it back. And it's harder, I think, if you were a mobster to like Henry Hill, because ultimately it's Earnhardt, well, like right? You know, a rat, right? You know, in their well, mind. Why
0: is he still alive? This is what I don't get.
2: He's well, out there mean, saying he, he ratted, yeah, you know. and he's like, and he's like, well, the people who wanted me dead are all dead. Oh, that's right. They're all gone. And it's like, so, it, you know, so um, what do they get? What do they get out of it? You know,
1: Yeah.
2: I think Kenji had met Henry Hill. And I think he met that other guy, Francesi, too, who was a, another really famous guy. So um, if we do this movie, we'll have to invite Kenji back on the podcast yeah, just to get more of a look into the yeah. uh, mob life. You know, plus he's such a great guest.
0: But nobody, nobody does music the way scorsese and this is oh, man. That was, i forgot cool. to mention this when i mentioned streets of fire that i didn't like the way walter hill shot the music imagine scorsese like doing that film yeah what what that would have been and and like you talk about that scene at the end the paranoid helicopter scene. yeah that's all editing and music and they keep God. cutting back to his brother stir, stirring the spaghetti and but in fairness sauce. to hill mtv just started So that kind of shooting of music wasn't really prevalent back then. You keep saying that. By the way, Henry Hill died in 2012. Yeah. So just Mm -hmm. so you know,
2: he's not alive anymore. There you go. So we can talk about him? Yeah, so we can talk about him. We can't get him on the show. I I understand what you're saying completely. And the last thing, uh, when I was watching it, and I, I have this feeling a lot, is how much the music must have cost in this budget. This was a big budget film. And one of the things, because I heard another podcast about, it, they were talking about it. one scene that was kind of improvised is one that many people think is the best film scene in the film, it's when, what, am I funny? You think I'm funny? Yeah. Not all improvised. And the studio was very upset that they shot this scene. And somebody flew out when they shot it. And it's like, this isn't in the script. I don't want you to do this. And they were very pissed off that they shot this scene. and. um as a result, something that Scorsese needed later to shoot, and they needed to get budget approval, the guy said no. And he said no, mainly because he was pissed off about that scene. And there's one other shot we got to talk about. It's the most, what, the the opening shot, the uh, one take? Yeah, and when they go to the Copacabana. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And apparently, they get through the whole thing, and at least twice, Henny Youngman blew to take. Because he didn't realize when he was, like, supposed to talk. And he made, and he made mistakes. <laughs> he did it twice. That's a great All shot. I you'd think they could just say what he was supposed to say. No. You know, on automatic pilot. Apparently, he blew it a couple times. Yeah, so. and
0: everybody, anybody who's anybody tries to recreate that shot. Oh, the player. Yeah. Player recreated it, right. didn't they? You know, right. they like to, yeah. Well, player It's an amazing player. shot.
2: And what's his it's name when they did Boogie Nights? Yeah, but it's from Touch right. of Evil. Yeah. That's Boogie Knights like did that even more so because yeah because he well, said that's definitely a
0: direct hom- that's a direct homage to, to the godfather yeah, yeah. but he said no, because I, <laughs> I took touch the camera even.
2: into the water and and back out you know i mean the, the boogie night scene at the party yeah went right yeah. into the water but i was watching it with a guy who was an ad and we were watching that movie and that scene we were particularly watching that shot and he's like whoa, whoa go back well let's watch it slow because we had the um DVD and there's an edit. Oh, and they're coming out of the water. You could, and, and if you watch it frame
0: by frame, you well, could. Good. That's it. the magic of editing, right there. Because you didn't. That's what we. Well, Weezy. if I watch it frame by frame, then I would notice it. Well, if you do, if you do that, yes, but uh, uh. You're not supposed to do that. But that's fine. all right, Ralph. Well, you're the only one left. So what do you? What uplifting? Oh, uh, we done talking about good fellas? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's, would, uh, it's a fabulous film. We don't yeah, I love good films. I mean, what can, what, can we, yeah, what can we say that hasn't been said, which is, it's just fascinating. It's, it's a great film and it's, it's, it'll be around forever. That film, just yeah. like the one I'm about to talk about, uh, 2007. I don't know about that. A Zodiac. Oh. Uh, directed by the master, David Fincher, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Brian Cox, Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Edwards and John Carroll Lynch is one of the iterations of the Zodiac Killer. Um, this is a fantastic film done by a fantastic director. It's about the Zodiac killings that took place between 1973 and 83 or 1969 and 83 unsolved uh, based on a book by. Um, uh, who Those killings went on that, that
2: long. Yeah. Well, well, there's a considerable
0: dispute. How many killings were actually... They, they, they don't... That's what I mean. There is no... It's unsolved. Uh, and it's based on a book by Robert Graysmith, who actually did two books. Uh, in the first book, he never mentions who he thinks is the killer. In the second book, he actually uses his name, Anthony Lee... Um, uh, Arthur Lee Allen. Arthur Lee Allen, I'm sorry. Who David Fincher... Uh, that's, that's his conclusion in this film, who he thinks is the killer. Um, David Fincher grew up in... Uh, northern san francisco in the 70s so he knew all about the lore of the zodiac and he painstakingly recreated scenes based on victims who lived a couple of the guys lived he had them down at the shoot he had um the cop that was playing that uh mark ruffalo played david toshky um was uh was a consultant on the thing as a matter of fact handed out Uh, Cookies, You know, uh, what do you call them? Those cookies, animal crackers to everybody. It's a little gift from him. Um, And if you've seen the film, it's basically it's a procedural with some 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 brutal scenes, well shot, brutal scenes of what the Zodiac, whoever the Zodiac was, was doing in in northern California. Goes on for two hours and 40 minutes. And basically, it just shows how people's lives are ripped apart by obsession, and not being able to solve a crime that goes on forever. Um, and I just—it's a stunning film. It's one of his best. It's a film I use when I edit uh, because I love the pace of the film, and I and I have every scene. I know exactly where every scene is going to go, and it keeps my rhythm of editing going. And um, there's only right, one so I'm scene. I'm confused. I, I have not seen this movie. So is it about? Is it about the police trying to find him or is it about reporters trying to solve it? Yes. Amateurs, reporters. It's both? It's both. Robert Gray Smith was a cartoonist in this, I think, the San Francisco Chronicle. Robert Downey Jr. plays uh, one of the writers who was a crime beat writer. So it's everyone's, and Mark Ruffalo plays Dave Toshke, who is based on um, uh, Steve McQueen and Bullet based him on Dave Toshke, right? Uh, Dirty Harry, Scorpio. And Dirty Harry is just uh, modeled after the Zodiac, including sending the letters. You know, because we all know the Zodiac sent the ciphers to the newspaper and saw, see if you can find who I am. So that's where all the ciphers come from. That's what they did in uh, Dirty Harry. There's even a scene in this film where Toski goes to see Dirty Harry, and everyone's giving him shit because Dirty Harry solved the crime like that, and they're still trying to find this guy. Fitcher does this great thing where he uses the Transamerica building, you know, the big building in... Uh, san yeah. francisco that's a pyramid he does this time lapse to show how five years go by and he actually shows the building of that to show how time passes and it really is about the obsession uh, and it turns out gray smith became super obsessed with trying to because he could figure out the ciphers he was one of the first ones to break the ciphers so he was obsessed with trying to find this wait person. this is a cartoonist yes so how, why, why was he able to break the cipher? He had a bit of, a, he's been on the spectrum a little bit. So oh. he had this puzzle thing that he was doing and he got obsessed with the puzzles, broke up a marriage that he had. Um, Dave Tosky spent years trying to figure out what was going on. He was obsessed about it. So what time frame does this movie? I think seventies, sixties. No, no, late. I think seventies, probably about six, seven years from 72 to, um, the movie ends with, with, couple of things the movie ends with one of the victims coming in and 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 basically pointing out Arthur Lee Allen is saying that's the guy who shot me in the face that's the guy and then Jake Gyllenhaal as Graysmith goes into this hardware store and it's when he thinks he he sees this guy Arthur Lee Allen who he's has determined is the killer and it's it's the tension that 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 uh, we all know what Fincher does the tension he builds in this is amazing Um. The obsessiveness both in his filmmaking and what's going on in the film is just apparent right there. You're watching these people break down for years because they can't figure out what's going on and how it destroyed everybody's lives. And it's just a fascinating film. And there's only one scene. There's one scene at Lake Berryessa where Fincher literally brought in a tree to plant a tree where he thought that tree should be from when he was growing up. And it's the only scene I can't really watch because it's – it's done completely without music. The Zodiac walks out from behind a tree. This couple is just laying there. And he comes and attacks the two of them. And we're seeing it from his this the, the guy survived. The woman died. And and you're watching it through her eyes as she's she's looking up as the boyfriend's getting stabbed. He walks away from the boyfriend. Now he's coming over to her and she's losing her mind and he basically just destroys her. All done. I mean, it sounds awful, but it's done. You know, uh, it's not a- gross. Story? It's, just, it's just very visceral just from what your reaction. You're watching her. It's a tough scene to watch and it's probably the most brutal scene in the film, but it sets up this kind of dread that every, this guy walked around with an executioner's mask on and he'd walk out of the, the woods and just talk, talk to people and these, I mean, just some terrible stuff. Hmm. And they're not quite sure that this is the guy, you know, there's, this many, many yeah, theories about they who they it might be. Somebody else. Yeah. They say and, they and,
2: identified and, another guy, Gary Francis Post.
0: It actually ends with them saying they tested Arthur Lee Allen's DNA and it came up inconclusive, right?
1: Yeah. But this, Fincher, this
0: was Fincher's theory that, and Gray Smith, you know, as well, they both believe that this was the guy. But it's just an amazing film about police procedure, how, what these guys have to do, how many cranks come out when, when they get this information that you know, they're trying to find this person and all these people are coming saying that they're the killer and all the stuff they have to sift through and how one judge doesn't give them a, you know, a search warrant for something that if they had it. He was also ambidextrous. So he's writing the ciphers in his right hand, but the rest of his life, he's, this is Arthur Lee Allen writes with his left hand. The only time they didn't get any letters is when Arthur Lee Allen was in jail for child mol- molestation or something. And then as soon as he gets out, he starts writing the letters again, you know, so it's all this. Just an amazing police procedural, which I love, like Law & Order type, you know, just give me the bone stuff. And this goes on for two hours and 40 minutes. Sounds like a long time, but it's a very, very satisfying film. And John, you've never seen this one. Ever. Wow. I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's, uh, I'll watch But it's it. not a, there's some, there's some really crass Zodiac films out there. Yeah. That that are very, you know, not as, not as clean and good, not as um, well crafted as this one. Um, this is great. This is a this is a Fincher. This is a masterpiece. I'll check it out. I love David Fincher. So masterpiece I'll check it out. by David Fincher. Yeah, um David, Have you all, ever seen you this movie? About, you t- yeah. what? We saw. It, did uh, you like it?
1: Yeah. Well, there again, the liking of yeah, the right. It was uh, definitely holding your attention. It was it was a solving puzzle, right? Right. I, I think it was like a, a exercise in your brain to try and put all the pieces together. You know and you still don't really know. Well, it's also just a study in how
0: everybody just gets broken. All of them get broken. Nobody, the obsession, the obsession just breaks every single one. of The Robert Downey Jr. plays a reporter who ends up on a houseboat, just babbling to himself practically. Jake Gyllenhaal is Robert Ray Smith, loses his family because his wife is worried that because the Zodiac would call people and start breathing heavy, and if he, you know, if he thought you were in the newspaper talking about him, he would give you a call and. You know well, what I understand the- is how did this cartoonist get involved with this at all they Why had, had a cartoonist- the, way the movie the way the movie sets it up is they have a, a uh, an edit- editorial meeting uh, every morning. so they all see all the crime reporters are in there the cartoonist is in there, the publishers in there, the editor's in there. okay today we're going to talk about this woman walks in with the first zodiac letter and it's the cipher. And it gets passed around and Graysmith gets a hold of it and he's, he, he obsesses about that cipher and ends up helping them break down with the cipher. Okay, and, I got and, it. And, and how. Yeah. And it's his he years long.
2: Himself.
0: He was writing these but after the, after the police had given up on it. You know, it's an unsolved crime. We can't deal with it anymore. Graysmith came back and starts interviewing the policemen that were involved in it and starts finding new clues that they never had, stuff that they couldn't find because you know, they were doing other stuff and just got too busy. And he just came obsessively at these guys to the point where they think he may have solved uh who this person was. And that's, oh, is that's the guy they think it is still alive? No, he died. He had a heart he attack died. a week before they were gonna take him in to to test. Oh really? Yeah. yeah.
2: But they've subsequently oh, no. are mostly short some another person.
0: It well, there's some guy that came out that said it was his father. But Fincher took the approach with Gray Smith that this is the guy and this is the movie yeah. I'm going to do.
2: They apparently and found some forensic evidence to get this guy, Gary Post. Yeah. You know,
0: it's a, there's yeah. one scene, John, um, where the guy who did the voice of Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Charles Fleischer. <clears throat> right. Charles Fleischer. you go, you know, it's like a comedian. There's a scene where Gray Smith goes to interview him because he owned a movie theater. Right. <clears throat> And supposedly the Zodiac worked at that movie theater because the movie he loved was the one about hunting hunting people.
2: Most Dangerous Game. Oh. Most Dangerous Game. Oh, so so, his, so
0: Graysmith breaks down this stuff, and he realizes this guy loved the Most Dangerous Game. He finds this movie theater that Most Dangerous Game played at, and he thinks it's Zodiac, his theory is Zodiac made the poster. <clears throat> Charles Fleischer owns the movie theater. So excuse me, Hall's interview him in his home and it's the most frightening scene because they end up down in a basement. Yeah. There's no, like nothing, nothing's cluing in that could be a threat. And it's the, it's the most haunting, uh, scary. What, scene. They're, they're implying that this guy's the guy. It, it it they were implying that he could be, but it seemed yeah. like Charles Fleischer was just messing with Graysmith a little bit. Oh. It's a great scene. And it's, it's just scary. Terrifying. You're scared, right? At that moment, you're thinking,
1: get out of that house.
0: <laughs> Cause there's this whole thing about, they figured out that the Zodiac might live in a house that has a basement and in California there are not a lot of houses with basements. Right. Blah blah blah. Fleischer had a house with a basement and Gyllenhaal's like, There's not many houses because I have one and they go down and as they're down there he's hearing creaking like somebody's walking. It's just just so well done. That sounds like the end of silence of the lambs. It's I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah Fincher knows Fincher can ratchet up tension just on a scene that, you know, you'd think is no big deal. It's, it's sort of like Apollo thirteen we were
2: mentioning. You know he lives. Because he wrote the book, but you're still afraid he's gonna. Exactly,
0: die. exactly, a hundred percent. But you're still in it with him. You're in his moment, and 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 like I said, the scene where the woman seeing him stab his his boyfriend and then come at her, it's just like oh, that. And, and there's also a great scene where he's going down the road with um, the woman from uh, Say Anything. Uh, I forget her name, Ione Sky. Yes, and he basically says uh she her he, her car breaks down. He he. Pretends to fix the tire, but he actually loosened it so it would come off again. Oh. He picks her up and she goes, it's really nice that you're helping me. And she, and, he, and, and she had a baby. He didn't know she had a baby. So she's sitting in front seat. He goes, I didn't know you had a baby with you. She goes, why is that a problem? He goes, no, nothing, nothing matters. And about five minutes later, he goes, you know, after I kill you, I'm going to throw your baby out the window. <laughs> and, like, oh my God. and who played this guy? Anybody well, know? Well, Fincher used three different people. Oh. To play – because, again, they, they couldn't prove right. that there was the one person. So you'd hear a little – and he'd use the three voices. He'd blend the three voices whenever oh. the Zodiac talked so that you couldn't quite get a handle. But it's, mostly it's John Carroll Lynch. You know who he is. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's, um, he recommend. was the husband in Fargo. Uh, we saw – remember The Invitation – John, the invitation. He was the guy that was the,
2: the that killed somebody.
0: Well, he was the he was one of the cultists that came in. Yeah. I mean, he's you've seen this guy in all kinds of stuff, John. He's in everything. American Horror Story, he played that weird clown, I think. Uh, but he was he was uh, and, and John, there's a scene they do. Oh, interrogation. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I see who it is. <clears throat> there's an interrogation <throat> in a in a metal shop that uh, supposedly Arthur Lee Allen worked in that is again. Just the ratchet up, the tension was just insane.
2: But do you and think he, the film
0: had to be that long? I couldn't, it couldn't be long enough for me.
2: Yeah. It could be. I think I th- no good film is uh, too long and no bad Yeah. Film.
0: And, yeah. you know, it drags slightly after you realize that now we're just going to follow Graysmith and his obsession. Yeah. But they keep coming back to him visiting Toski and all the other cops that you've seen an hour earlier who have given up. But he keeps coming back and he's bothering them. He's driving them crazy, but he's slowly getting at things that they hadn't f- found. So fascinating film. It's just, it's just fantastic. I'll check it out. David Fincher check is it best. Out. All right. That is best. You best, think best that's piece. his best film? For me, I think it's his best film.
2: Better than Seven? Yes. Wow. Better than that lame Aliens movie he did? The Alien well, they, 3 that was classic. the studio's
0: fault. That wasn't yeah, his that's, fault. That's, that's not his fault. Studio butchered I mean, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think for me it's his it's his masterpiece. It's his finchiest? It is definitely his finchiest. And when you watch you ever see Mindhunter? His yeah. series he did on Netflix? I'm not playing the serial killers, Ralph. Well, because they in this film in the in the Mindhunter series, they actually interview yeah. people I, playing the real series. It's just I know really what nasty. it's about, but I just that's too yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't well, enjoy that. There you go. Well, then you'll hate. Uh, Life's too short. Zodiac, <laughs> but no. You should I watch mean, it anyway. sounds like it's not just a slasher. I mean, it's not. It just is a not story. a slasher. No, it's it, not. It's a procedural drama. That's, That's what right. it sounds like. That's right. Yeah. So that I could sit through. Yeah, a it's movie about procedural. It's a yeah. film about obsession and how obsession ruins your yeah. life. So, like Moby great. Dick, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're not going to do a Ron Robin next week because, believe it or not, oh, yeah, we have. I don't know how this happened. We have a fan from L.A. Who, who's a screenwriter, Sean. Wait, 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 did our fan subscribe? I have no idea. Did he smash the
2: like button? I have no idea. Yeah, all right, all I know is he it.
0: called. He, 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 I don't know how he emailed. He, Somehow asked, I got an he email. emailed
2: us through SoundCloud. Which I don't but understand. I he was an audio listener. But he said he actually watches us. Because I warned him that we are a visual
0: Right. Yes. No, he said he watched are. us. Especially Debbie, when she gets all gussied up. So his name is Gary Goldstein. <laughs> Gary Goldstein is a screenwriter in L.A. I guess he writes a lot of lifetime films, according to Sean. Well, he he's
2: also uh, romance. Okay, me.
0: romance. But he's also a movie critic for the L.A. Right. Times. So does he review his own movies? I have no idea. I doubt he does. Interesting. We'll we, have to ask him. You'll have to ask him. Um, and, and he's a he 70s guy. The, the good news about this man is he's a 70s guy. Yeah, good uh, news for you. And he, that's what I said. And he loved <laughs> yeah. the premise. He loves the original premise of the of the podcast, which was we would bring '70s films to the millennials. Of course, all the millennials, quick, you know, the millennials, you the, the millennials. millennials. Uh, so he, he's, yeah. he's oh, going to join us. That's right. He, he is going to join us next week to discuss Taxi Driver, which I have never seen the whole movie. There you, you go. Have so never now you have watch it Nope. And, okay. and I'm looking forward to it, actually. We will talk to Gary Goldstein about Taxi Driver and see where that leads. And he worked on Streets of Fire. Did you already say that? Yes. He was a marketing. He worked in yeah. marketing for Streets of Fire. And he told us he it's knew by Street. Monday morning, the movie came out on a Friday. He knew by Monday morning it was a loser. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be, I, I think I told him we'll do a little What You Watch, yeah. but we really want to ask him questions about yeah. Streets of Fire. We're going to have, have a little was, discussion about uh, one of my favorite movies, Streets of Fire. Right. Uh, you know, because a few Chris of us I didn't I, like that film, right? Uh, most of you didn't like it, but right. Chris and I were the only ones who really liked it. But I so think we'll have maybe some, you'll, uh, you guys will uh, sing a different tune no, next I, week.
1: I'm so I, I can't figure you out sometimes because you like that film. I did, and I do. I, I just can't yep. see you liking it.
0: Well, yes. I got to remember, <laughs> Debbie, uh, MTV had not come out just yet, so we can't blame Walter Hill for shitty music video work okay because mtv hadn't been out and there, nobody had ever shot music before mtv i guess no, that's it's not what i said well that's now what sounds being, like you're just being a kit. dick kit, kit, okay oh, you just oh. calm down kit kit okay. let well, see see oh oh look it, jealousy's rearing its ugly head look at that oh oh look at that Ooh, all right, so oh, don't let it john don't let this stuff jump up when gary's here okay we're trying to impress the guy all right Listen, I'm the one who like the film. He's going to love me. Uh, okay. We'll right? see. We'll see. He tried so, to make
2: the movie a hit. Right. John tried to so make next it.
0: Next week, we're going to have a full house because this guy's coming from LA Times. Everybody wants to join in now.
2: So we'll each have two uh, minutes. That's going to be awesome. Yeah,
0: you got 30 seconds yeah, each. It's going to be so awesome. We got to let Gary, you know, give Gary a little bit. The Fairweather fans will be in for that one. Right. Does uh, Hassan and Chris want to do it? I'll offer them, see what happens. How about Lojo and Brad? Are they around? We'll bring them all Let's, back. See if they want to do it. But this is the first time somebody's reached out yeah that's pretty cool and wants to be on the show that's pretty amazing so so we're so what you're saying is we're making a difference i think we've made a difference in this person's life maybe we have and that's all that matters one at a time one at a time all we ask is that you smash the like button that's
1: it (laughs) i mean (laughs) and here we barely go ahead deb what it's the most important thing we love anybody who likes us it's
0: all about love. I like anybody that likes me. If you love that's movies, we love you.
2: You know yeah. what Charles Manson used to say? Hey, I'm a mirror. You come at me with love, that's what you get back. But if you come at me with a fist, that's what you get back. And you know, I try to live my life by. His life.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're, you're going to live Charlie. by somebody's life, I'd make a Charlie Why don't you Manson. Live is by your life. Yeah, you, you know, know what? That?
2: I got to say, did you ever listen to Manson's album? Speaking of. No. I, no. You know, the Beach he Boys stole a lot of his songs, but, um, you know, I like Manson's version better. I was listening to his music, and I'm kind of grooving to it, and I'm like, hey, I know where he's coming from. I'm like, ooh, that's not a good song. Oh, he was buddies with one of the Beach Boys, right? Yeah, yeah Dennis Wilson. Yeah, yeah. he stole his song. No wonder he wanted to kill him. You know, I was reading Neil Young's, you know, incoherent autobiography. And it's because it just jumps around like uh, it, it makes no sense. It's impossible
1: to read, but you've got to get But then that. one
2: man, he's like, um, you know, Charlie Manson was really, it was a really good singer-songwriter. His problem was he was just inconsistent, you know? Oh, and, and a well, psychopath. that might be one of his problems. Other than that.
0: Plus, it wasn't an easy read as Chapel Street was. Now, that was a good read. Yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I blew through that book. That was awesome. You want to see a cool uh, tra- a, a Charlie Manson watch Mindhunter, season two. They interview Charlie Manson. It's fantastic. Really? So,
1: the 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 real one? No. No, they
0: interview. The, they also know. interview David Berkowitz. You know, they 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 mix. Watch Geraldo's fic- interview. They mix fictional, yeah. uh, fictional serial interview. killers with uh, real serial killers. It's great. You know, and when and they got, when Geraldo the got
2: there they interview him, because you know the lights and everything. Yeah. So um, they Manson sits down. And he looks at. He sits there for a minute. Looks around and, they, and then he goes to goes to Geraldo and goes. It, am I crazy or is it hot in here? <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: And Geraldo said, No, you're crazy. Yeah, a- you are crazy. He was testing him. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you are crazy. All right. Enough crazy Great show, so, everybody. Next Great week, show. Gary Goldstein. Yeah. Taxi driver. Looking forward to it. Yeah, okay, you guys have taxi a good bro. week. Watch Taxi Drivers so we can talk about it. You talking to me? I'm talking you talking to you. me? You must be yeah, talking, talking to me. To you. I'm the only one standing here. Good Jodie Foster film is a lot. Harvey, Keitel's you know what? Harvey I
2: Keitel. I want them to redo Taxi Driver and age Robert De Niro. Well,
0: a- they were talking about, actually, I just read something where they were trying to get a sequel to that. He wanted to do a sequel. What happened to Travis Bickle later on? Yeah. But now De Niro's kind of a, uh, he's an over-the-top character actor now. Yeah. Mm. Kind of, it's kind of, uh, I love De Niro, but his stuff now is just. Oh, people gotta, you know. People Did you see I that know. movie
2: with him and Pacino where they were both cops and one of them was corrupt? 15, 15 minutes or something like that? Was yeah. That? No, I
0: didn't see that. I was so him. sad because I was
2: hoping for something really nice. but just, well, just Heat was true. all they have to do. Well, I, I loved heat. heat. I mean, Heat was it. great.
0: Yeah. You have to do any more. But, all right. Yeah. All right. Come on. That's, all right. We're going. See you guys on. next week.
1: See ya. Taxi driver.
0: Okay. Okay. Bye everyone. Have a great week.